in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Not humble yourself in the sight of other people, but humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Like you say, uh, Lord, I want him to see me as humble. Well, that takes all pretense away because he knows if you're actually being humble or not, or if you're just trying to put on a show. Like, you know, I am more humble than everybody else, and I'm here to declare that to you. Well, you might be more humble than everybody else. Uh, but most of the time when people say that, they say it with, a, with an air of pride about them. First Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 9. Be clothed with humility. In other words, dress up in humility. Uh, when's the last time you looked at someone and thought, now that individual is dressed up in humility. That is a humble person. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about, seeking whom he may devour. In other words, he may not devour just anybody, but he's seeking and looking, and he's trying to fake you out. Like a roaring lion seeking, can I devour them? Can I devour her? Can I devour him? Can I devour them? Because he may not devour the believer who knows who they are in Christ and stands upon that. Because Jesus has already defeated him and he has no power against the name of Jesus and the authority of Christ. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Some translations say steadfast in your faith. In other words, you resist him by holding on to Jesus and all that he is and all that he has made you to be. That faith is turning away from yourself, away from other sources. 100% I'm turning towards Christ. So, uh, you know, the devil's trying to come to you. But when you turn to Christ, steadfast in the faith. In other words, steadfast is I'm fixed, I'm immovable in my faith. I can't be shaken off this because my root and my anchor goes down into the presence of God by Jesus Christ. So in other words, if I'm going to be moved, that's because God has been moved. And we know God cannot be moved by the devil. So you're pretty secure. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren in the world. In other words, you're not the only one going through whatever you're going through. But you resist him, the enemy, steadfast in the faith. That you're like, no, I'm believing God. Like we were talking about in the time of worshiping the Lord and giving. No, I'm not going down financially. I refuse to let this happen. Not because I'm so strong, because Jesus already defeated him in this arena. He already defeated him in the arena of health and healing. That sickness does not belong to any believer. Really, sickness doesn't belong to anybody in the world because God did not give you the gift of sickness. There is no such thing as a gift of sickness. Sickness belongs to every human that God has already created, just like salvation belongs to every human that God has already created. All we have to do is receive what he's already done. As many as received him, that is Jesus, to them he gave the right to be the sons of God. Well, the sons of God ought not to be walking around with the sickness of the devil or the poverty of the devil. And if you're a son of God, you don't have spiritual death because you have come into life. Uh, real life. Proverbs 3.34, surely he scorns the scorners, but he gives grace to the lowly. 
Psalm 38, 138.6. Though the Lord be high, yet has he respect for the lowly, but the proud he knows, anybody can finish it? Afar off, from a distance. The proud he knows afar off. In other words, if you're proud, you will not get close to the Lord. You will not be intimate with the Lord. You know, like we just read in James and also in Peter, 1 Peter, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble or the lowly. So to humble yourself means to come under or to bow low, not to show yourself above other people. So if you find that you're showing yourself above other people, uh, there should be like a pride alarm light going off, like a, a, a cessation of the grace of God's ability to show up in your life. You're only going to get what you can do. You're only going to get what the devil gives you. He gives you. It looks like enticing and really good, but it's like a Trojan horse. So God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then finally, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 11. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. I'm going to read part of that in Carpenter's translation. If there should be ever a hint of factitiousness among you, get rid of it and don't boast. All boasting is idle. It leads nowhere. Humility is the mark of the true disciple, the kind of humility that genuine, genuinely believes uh, the other fellow is better and in any dispute is probably right, while he, for his part, thinks the same about you. Self must at all costs be banished. Be what the psychologists call extroverts, only be more than uh, what some of them mean by the word. Look away from self and plan and pray and act for the benefit of your neighbors. So we're, you know, the word's trying to tell us, don't be self-centered. Pride is self-centered. And pride will hinder the work of God in your life. Humility is not a weakness. Somebody said, well, I, you know, that, I, I got to stick up for myself. I got to do all this stuff. Well, you stick up for yourself. That's all the vindication you're going to have. But you let the Lord be your vindicator. He vindicates purely, justly, and truly. And completely. And so I love having Jesus as my advocate because he knows a thing or two about defending those that are his. Praise the Lord. Sometimes you speak and you see things you never saw before. Praise the Lord. Andrew Murray said, 
Nothing is more natural and beautiful and blessed than to be nothing so that God may be all. I want to read that again. Nothing is more natural and beautiful and blessed than to be nothing so that God may be all. Think about that. When you're going through your life, whether you have a challenge in your own life, your own family, or, or you're, you're uh, ministering to somebody else, that you go, and like I always pick on Eddie, so why should I stop now? So you go, and I'm going to pray for Eddie. Well, if I am somebody, then I have to make that prayer come to pass. It's all riding on me. But if I humble myself and I become nothing except just a channel and vessel that the Lord can flow through so that God can be everything to Eddie. But, you know, if I've got a pride issue where I refuse to humble myself and I need somebody to pat me on the back and say, man, you know how to hear from God and, you know, uh, you know, uh, I want your number so I can call you all the time. So when I'm having a tough time, I'm going to call you. Well, if somebody is a, a, a real uh, new at this and doesn't know much, that's okay. But, I mean, uh, no believer should live that way because every believer has access, the same access that any other believer has, no matter if they're a minister or not a minister, to God himself. That our job is to connect people to God, not to us. And our tenure in the intimate parts of their life should be short-lived. Sometimes, you know, you which, uh, Galatians 6, 1 and 2, you which are spiritual, if someone's overtaken at fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest you also be tempted. Look at that. So if you're just going to, like, restore someone and be like, I can't believe they're having that problem, I certainly would never have that. That's called pride, and it goes right before a fall. So you're, uh, the devil is evil, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy anybody that will let him and anything that, that will be allowed to happen. So somebody's overtaken in a fault, and you say, you're, from your heart, even led by the Spirit of the Lord, you, you go to that person, and you have a relationship with them so you can speak into their life. So you begin speaking, but all of a sudden, don't think the devil's not watching. So then he's going to whisper, yeah, you're, you would never fall like that. You, you see how much better you are? Like they're, they're, they're eating off of what you're saying. You are just so amazing. Right? So the devil, he, he, like somebody said, he like puts his foot out so that you'll trip. And then when you trip and fall, he blames you for falling. <laughs> Look what happens when he kills somebody. Or worse, get someone to kill themselves. Well, then uh, uh, that person's dead. They're a believer, they're in heaven. If they weren't a believer, they're in hell. But it doesn't just stop there. Then the family and friends, what could I have said? What could I have done? It's my fault. Now they're living in sin conscious, right? Then if they have a proclivity to alcohol, maybe they go get drunk. They start to backslide. They have all these. In other words, what I'm trying to say is the devil is evil and mean, and he is not just like, I'm just attacking this one. No, through his attack on this one, he's trying to get a foothold in that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, and that one. Because if he can influence that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, and that one, then the people that that one's influencing 
and all those other that ones are multiplied that much more. And then he gets to have his way. The wimp who has no power, who has been defeated, gets to have his way because of deception. She's like, oh, I'm going to help that person. And then all of a sudden you get lifted up in pride. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility is your protection from the devil. We just read that in Peter. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, then you resist the devil. Praise the Lord. Nothing is more natural and beautiful and blessed than to know nothing, or excuse me, than to be nothing that God may be all. Hallelujah. That's why I say humility is such freedom. Because you humble yourself. I'm like, if I'm humbling myself under the hand of God, that means his hand of protection is over my life. I'm doing this because I'm coming under him. Well, I'm doing this, well, Lord, you directed me to do this. I notice when I do something at the direction of the Lord, I have great boldness and confidence of his provision and his protection. In other words, I'm not worried about it because the Lord, you know, the Lord sent us to Washington, D.C. So I know the Lord will provide. Well, that doesn't mean I can, that no matter what, the Lord will provide for me. As long as I'm trusting him, he provides. As long as I'm acting on what he said, he'll provide. Then it's up to him to take care of it. But as soon as I uh, get get in pride, get on my own, then uh, I'm kind of left on my own. Lucifer was created as the most beautiful angel. And he led worship. But the day iniquity was found in him, he said, I'm going to arise above God. I'm going to arise above God. Let's look real quick at uh, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart... I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Do you hear all the I, 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 I? Yet, let me pause for just a second. So you hear all the I, 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 I. But when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, you say, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And somebody says, man, you are so wise. Well, then you're not just saying because you know you're supposed to say, well, that's from the Lord. You actually are saying, well, uh, I did not think of that. The Lord brought that up. That's actually from the Lord. I just delivered that to you. So when you actually act on the word like the word says to act, then you, you're kept in a place of humility because you understand where this came from. Like that this did not originate in me. But Lucifer said, I will ascend in the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you will be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit, that they that see you will narrowly look upon you and consider you, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? In other words, when Satan has really revealed who he is, people are going to be like, that's the one I was responding to? That wimp? People used to tell T.L. Osborne, you need to to not talk so bold about the devil. 
you know, he'll, he'll hear you, he'll get you. And that there's like, he was an international minister, missionary, so he said, they said, you know, there's a witch doctor, and they said, they're here, they're going to cast a spell on you. He said, bring them close. I want them up front, because if they get close enough, their power will never work again. His daughter said to him one time, Daddy, I was sitting there praying for the devil. I felt bad for the devil. Why? Because of how her dad was preaching. She heard, you know. That, that. Poor devil? Yeah, he'd always say, poor devil. That made the world a wilderness, in verse 17, and destroyed the city that's thereof, that opened not the house of the prisoners. And then let's look quickly over in Ezekiel uh, chapter 28. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you that uh, seals the sum of full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. This is speaking of the enemy. Uh, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardaz, topaz, diamond, onyx, beryl, and jasper, and sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of your uh, tambourines and of your pipes was prepared in the day um, that you were created. You are the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set you so. You were upon the holy mountain of God, and you walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created, till iniquity was found in you. By the multitude of your merchandise, they have uh, filled the midst of you with violence, and you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast you out as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. God gave him that beauty, yet his own heart was lifted up. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. I'll cast you to the ground. I'll lay you before kings that they may behold you. You have defiled uh, your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of the, your traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of you. It will devour you. I will bring you uh, to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold you. And they that uh, know you among the people shall be astonished at you. And you will be a terror and never will you be anymore. So you see like the original sin of pride was Lucifer himself. He looked at his beauty and his perfection, and he's like, huh, I am really something. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my throne above the throne of God. And somebody said, that's pretty far-fetched. You know people on the earth have done that recently. That iniquity gets in your heart. It opens an avenue for the influence of the enemy in your life. And the enemy is a deceiver. So then the things, like, I think of like you go to the fun house and they have those fun mirrors where you look really fat or really skinny. That's a deception. That's not true. And so are some of these really beautiful looking people on the cover of magazines. That's called Photoshop deception. <laughs> That's not real. That's the ultimate fun house mirror. Look at that Photoshop picture, and you go back, and you look in the mirror, and you're like, something is wrong with my mirror. What is wrong with the mirror? When we humble ourselves, we allow God to work in our lives and the lives of others. In other words, I'm not looking to myself. I'm looking to the Lord. 
Faith is a turning of man from himself. It's renouncing the world. It's turning from the world. It is surrendering yourself. It banishes man's autonomy. In other words, I'm just going to do what I want. I'm my own man. Faith banishes that, gets away from that. Says, nope, I'm humbling myself under the hand of God. I'm coming under his mighty hand so he can work in my life. It's a surrender of your own power. It's a surrender of the righteousness that you can achieve in your own strength. In other words, uh, I, I read the Bible this much. I pray this much. I do this much. I serve this much. And therefore, God loves me, uh, and he loves me more than you because I work so much and I do so much. And, you know, I'm getting further and further away from God. Self-righteousness. It's a turning from anxiety, turning from self-confidence. It's grasping the revelation that God gives you from his word. You grab that revelation. When he reveals Christ to you, you grab hold of that revelation. That's called faith. That I'm saying, you know what? It makes no sense to my head whatsoever, but I believe Jesus is Lord. In my heart, I do believe that. That's called faith. It's turning to the Lord. You're turning to something invisible, and you're grasping heaven. Faith is the manner of life of the man who is crucified with Christ, who can no longer live on his own, but lives... Uh, through Christ, through the life of Christ. Now, we'll have to obviously finish this next week, but let's uh, begin uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11 is called like the great faith hall of fame. You see a hall of fame like these are people that did great things. It's amazing what they did. Well, here Hebrews 11:1 1 says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 4, by faith... Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead still speaks. I'm going to read that in a couple other translations. Listen, uh, remember James said, faith without works is dead, being alone. That's over in James. Let's turn just real quick. Over in James. Uh, verse 14, 2, verse 14, chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, when a man says he has faith and doesn't have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding we give them those uh, things which are needful for the body, what does it profit? In other words, are you just all talk, or do you actually, is this part of your life? I remember I was talking to a lady a couple of years, three years ago, maybe four, no, probably five years ago now, uh, at this, uh, another church, and we were talking, and uh, she, she mentioned, like, uh, you know, will you pray for me? Uh, because we don't have enough money and all this type of stuff. And so I said, sure. And so as I'm praying for her, the Lord had quickened to me, are, are you just going to pray for her? You and I give her something. I said, okay, I'll do both. So I prayed and I sowed. Uh, because I actually believe it. So faith is an act, and it shows up through what you say and what you do. Sometimes the act is speaking alone, but speaking is an act in itself, like, you know, concerning sickness and disease in your own body. You command that to go in the name of Jesus, and I don't receive it because I am the healed of the Lord. It belongs to me. I believe I receive my healing. It's mine now. I have it. 
So then I walk in the light of it. So not only do I confess it, but then I act like it. So I get out of bed if I was in bed. So I stand up if I was sitting down because I was exhausted. Why? I have the strength of the Lord. I believe I have received it. It's mine. It belongs to me. Okay. Even so, verse 17, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. In the Greek, it actually says uh, being by itself. Yea, a man may say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Uh, you believe that there is one God, and you do well. Even the devils believe that and tremble. <laughs> but you, O vain man, uh, will you know that faith without works is dead? Faith without works is dead. By faith, so in other words, by an act of faith, or by his action of faith, or by his faith in action, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. So Abel's act of faith was an offering. He offered to God a more excellent sacrifice by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaks. I like Amplified. It says, prompted, actuated by faith. Abel brought God a better and more acceptable sacrifice than Cain because of which it was testified of him that he was righteous, that he was upright and in right standing with God and bore witness by accepting and acknowledging his gifts. And though he died, yet through the, that incident, he still speaks. I'm going to read several uh, phrases from several translations. By faith, Abel offered to God. By faith, Abel offered to God. He offered to God. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice. It was, faith, uh, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Faith moved Abel to choose a more acceptable sacrifice to offer God. Well, why, why are we emphasizing this? Well, because in a second we're going to talk about Cain. And Cain got lifted up in pride. And then Cain committed murder. Because he did not act in faith and didn't like the response. Faith moved Abel to choose a more acceptable sacrifice to God. By faith, a better sacrifice did Abel offer to God. Through faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. It was faith that made Abel offer to God a, more, a better sacrifice. Faith led Abel to offer to God a better sacrifice. By faith, Abel made a better offering to God. It was faith that made Abel offer to God a better sacrifice than Cain's. Through his faith, he won God's approval as a righteous man because God himself approved of his gifts. By means of his faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. So how did Abel offer a more acceptable sacrifice? By what? By faith. By what we just said, turning from himself, renouncing the world, what the world said, well, that doesn't matter. You don't have to do that. Uh, th th this, this isn't necessary. Or what the enemy says, that's not necessary. No, Abel said, uh, this is what's necessary. We're going to read next week that Cain was a tiller of the ground in Genesis chapter 4, but Abel was a keeper of the sheep. And so Cain was a tiller of the ground that God had cursed. And Cain brought an offering to God of the ground that God had cursed. 
that he, with his own hard work, I worked and worked and worked and worked, and I, look what I made out of what you cursed. But it says God did not accept Cain's offering. Well, we know, Hebrews eleven six 6, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So God was displeased with Cain's offering. So we know that Cain did not offer by faith. But Cain offered from the works of his hands. In other words, what he offered, God didn't, hadn't said in the word or through verbal word to him, this is what you're to offer. He said, this is what I'm going to do. Oh, well, let's just finish there, and, and then we'll start there uh, next week. But I'm going to read one verse. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Hallelujah. So you can look at the story of Cain and Abel from the outside and say, like, man, God really liked Abel, but he couldn't stand Cain. Like, what happened? Some people look at your life, or you may look at somebody else's life and say, how come God favors them so much? He does so much for them. Well, no, they're acting in faith. They are trusting God. They are looking to the Lord. They're not looking to all this other stuff. They're not saying, I can do it on my own. I mean, Nobody look around, but every man, raise your hand. No. <laughs> I will move that by myself. Do you need help? No, I will just move it. I'm trying to be a little funny. I do the same thing. Don't feel guilty, you know. <laughs> I can do it. Well, I don't know. You're just something in your flesh. You're like, no, I will do it. I will move it. And then later you're like, oh, man. <laughs> I don't move. Kenneth Hagin, you know, a father in the faith to us, I was talking to Melody the other day. We were working on some uh, uh, mortar work and rocks and stuff. We have a rubble foundation. We were repairing some things with it. And uh, he used to say, I go like, you know, sometimes five to seven years and don't hardly know I have a body because I, I walk in divine health. And so I was doing this, and I got up because I, I was sitting on the ground, and I got up, and I was like, you know, Melody, I think Brother Hagin must not have done that much physical work because <laughs> I know I have a body right now. I know so many parts of my body. <laughs> Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Or a son, you know, you could say. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. And Abel, he brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. Let me leave you with this. Verse 3 says, In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering. Literally, if you look in the margin of your Bible, where it says in the process of time, it says in the end of days. So it's like when the harvest came, he didn't give even the first fruits to God. At the end of days, then he's like, well, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Well, you know, a lot of times we do that as an act of doubt. We say, well... I will give an offering to the Lord when I have all of my needs met. When I make sure that we've got this and this, this is in the barn, this is in the barn, this is in the barn. Okay, okay, Lord, this is left over here. This is for you. But you know what, what Abel did, and Abel, verse 4, brought of the firstlings 
of the flock, not only that, and of the fat. That was the choicest lamb you could bring. It was the first, and it was full of fat, which we might not want to eat all the fat, but they, they cherished the fat. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Well, you're just going to have to chew on that till next week. Praise the Lord. Stand with me if you will. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You see, it seemed like the Lord is resisting Cain right there. And you think with a natural mind, try to receive that with your natural mind, and you say like, well, why was the Lord so much nicer to Abel? He just likes the letter A better than the letter C because it comes at the beginning. No, Abel offered through faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing what God has to say about something. Apparently, God had something to say about the offering. And apparently, Abel didn't bring an offering based on what God said or in response to what God said. Praise the Lord. You ever sometimes... You're doing something that you know is wrong, yet you're still doing it. And then you get convicted about it. Your own spirit, maybe somebody else says something, they don't even know what they're saying. But they're a voice of truth. And then man, Cain, that happened to Cain, God himself. Well, he got more mad. Why? He's sin conscious. He knows like what I'm doing is wrong. I'm just going to do it. He still did it. It drove him further away from the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you are away from the Lord, don't let the devil get his way in your life. He wants you separated from God. That's where he can get a hold of you. That's where he can destroy your life. That's where he can steal from you. He wants to have control over you. He is a control freak. And he wants to control you. He wants to have you. He wants to kill you. But when you humble yourself, you surrender yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He invites you out of a heart of love and a life of love to come near. And he gives you real freedom, real life. You get a purpose where you were purposeless. You didn't know what to do, just wandering around. He has a plan for you. If you'd like to come to Jesus this morning and receive him, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Your life will be changed in an instant. You'll be translated from darkness into light. Number two, if you're here this morning and you were living for the Lord, but you started living for yourself or living for the world, you got out of the plan of God for your life, and you're kind of like uh, walking in a fog, dazed and confused, uh, without understanding, without direction, and you want to come back, I'm here to testify to you right now. It seems dark, but the second you turn and come back, the master sees and he knows, and light immediately comes back, and you get direction and understanding, and you're back right with God. He puts the ring on your finger, the robe on your back, he creates a feast, and he rejoices. If you want to come back this morning, lift up your hand. He loves you. He's been waiting for you. You're not too far gone. You can't do enough bad stuff to keep you from the Lord. His love is everlasting, from everlasting to everlasting. Slip up your hand. I don't want to miss you. Don't, don't wait another second. Don't wait another minute. 
And number three, if you've never been filled with the Spirit, but you'd like to be, uh, you can be filled with the Spirit. It's a command of the Lord to receive power, to be a witness, and to live your life. You'd like to be filled with the Spirit, slip up your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, Father, we love you so much. We thank you. Thank you for teaching us the way of humility. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our ultimate example. We turn away from ourselves and we turn towards you. We turn to you. We live our life with you as our source. Thank you for the freedom that you give, that when you set us free, we're really free. Father, I thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus. And I pray today and this week that everywhere we go, that every thought we have, that it be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. Father, I pray that you would remind us of your word spoken to us. Father, that we will act in humility in every situation, that we'll not uh, try to put ourselves up, but we'll let you exalt us, Father. We come under your mighty hand. We thank you for working in our lives. We thank you that you set us free from all the power of the enemy, and nothing will in any ways harm us. I pray for those here and listening, Father, that you will give unto us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing you, in drawing near to you, in coming into your presence, in feasting on your word. I pray that your word will become an insatiable hunger to every person that hears this. Father, that we will be people of your word, feasting, not living by natural things alone, but by every word that comes out of your mouth. Thank you for leading us, guiding us, directing us, and setting us right. In Jesus' name we pray. 